welcome to Virginia Outdoor Adventures podcast. We bring outdoor adventure stories and recommendations from athletes, conservationists, authors, park guides, community leaders, and local business owners from across the Commonwealth. I'm your host, Jessica Bowser. Shenandoah Mountain is one of the largest tracts of wild land in the eastern United States. Located west of the Shenandoah Valley on the state line in George Washington National Forest, Shenandoah Mountain is an ideal location for outdoor recreation opportunities, including hiking, mountain biking, rock climbing, backcountry camping, fly fishing, horseback riding, hunting, paddling, and wildlife observation. Today's guest, Lynn Cameron, is the co-chair of Friends of Shenandoah Mountain. She describes the majestic beauty of the forest, the unique ecosystem, and the importance of protecting this land and preserving its natural heritage for generations to come. Let's go. So Lynn, welcome to Virginia Outdoor Adventures. Thanks for having me, Jessica. What do you love about Virginia's outdoors? Oh, I love the mountains, the forest, the clean water, the hiking trails. There's just so much to love about Virginia's outdoors. I especially like the the western part of the state because that's where I live in the Shenandoah Valley. And in fact, uh, in 1981, when I moved to the Shenandoah Valley, I came here to work at JMU as a reference librarian, James Madison University. Um, I came here because of the beauty of the mountains. And I've been enjoying it ever since. Well, it sure, certainly seems like you're enjoying it. When I see your photos on Facebook, you have a beautiful piece of property and two very special llamas who live with you that I want to give a shout out to because I absolutely love the pictures that you post of your llamas. Can you tell us about them? Yes, we have uh, two llamas. They're pack llamas, uh, Lucinda and Guy. And uh, we've had them for about 20 years. And uh, we take them on trails in the National Forest and uh, they enjoy hiking and uh, they've been on overnight trips and enjoy that too. So it just has uh, enhanced our experience in the mountains. Now that they're older, uh, they're retired from packing, but uh, they live a very good life here in uh, Rockingham County on our our little farm. You're the only person I know who has llamas. So when I found out that you had them, I was just so in love with them almost immediately. Their faces are so adorable. And Lucinda, she loves to dress up, right? Like you have the, the cutest pictures of her on Facebook with little outfits on. Yes. Uh, she, uh, she just comes alive when I get, uh, start dressing her up as, uh, uh, she has been little red riding hood at Halloween. Um, mm-hmm. uh, she has dressed up as RBG with a little lace, uh, collar around her neck and a, <laughs> a black tablecloth on. And, uh, she has, she actually helps recruit, uh, volunteers to do trail work on Shenandoah mountain by putting on her Potomac Appalachian trail club, district manager hat. And uh, uh, we just have more volunteers than we know what to do with, thanks to Lucinda's efforts. Well, I mean, that sounds like a good enough reason for me to sign up to do trail work if I get to hang out with the llama who is <laughs> doing trail work with me. That's so much fun. That My favorite picture is the one of her uh, wearing that hat. In fact, if it's okay with you, I'd love to post it on the podcast social media pages so that people can see Lucinda in her uh, Potomac Appalachian Trail Club hat. Please do. 
<laughs> I think I will. Um, let's talk about Shenandoah Mountain. I think that people who hear us mention Shenandoah Mountain might not know exactly what we're talking about. I think some people will probably even confuse it with Shenandoah National Park. Do you want to describe the difference? Yes. Uh, Shenandoah Mountain is actually on the western edge of the Shenandoah Valley on the uh, it's on the West Virginia border. Um, so Shenandoah Mountain is both in Virginia and West Virginia. It's part of the Allegheny Mountains. And uh, it's a long mountain, about 72 miles long. Uh, and you can see, uh, you can look across the Shenandoah Valley from points on Shenandoah Mountain and see Shenandoah National Park. But uh, totally uh, different mountains and uh, very, uh, not very much alike, really. They have a lot of different vegetation and uh, just different character. Shenandoah Mountain is currently a national forest. Is that right? Yes. Shenandoah Mountain is part of the George Washington National Forest. Um, and uh, it, it's, it extends from Hardy County, West Virginia, all the way down to Bath County, Virginia. The Shenandoah Mountain area is one of the higher areas in Virginia. It has 10 peaks above 4,000 feet. And the highest of these is Reddish Knob, which is right in the middle. And it's almost 4,400 feet high. Uh, it has a parking lot on top. If you drive there, you can see the whole region. Uh, from the top of Reddish Knob, you have a 360 degree view of the surrounding mountains in Shenandoah Valley. I have yet to be up to Reddish Knob, but I discussed Reddish Knob with one of my other podcast guests on a different episode, Matt Felperin, who is known as the Nova Rover. He and I were discussing birds and Reddish Knob seems to be a really popular place with birders because it's one of the only places in Virginia where you can regularly see red crossbills. And it seems like people are always going up to that location to see red crossbills. Yes, I know the exact spot uh, where you can see those red crossbills. And uh, we try to go up there uh, once a year and see them too, if we hit the time, timing right. And also people go on Shenandoah Mountain to watch for uh, hawks and for, um, well, it's a migratory corridor for songbirds. So it's, it's just a wonderful place to do birding all along the crest of Shenandoah Mountain. Yeah, it's amazing for a lot of different wildlife. What is the difference between a national forest and a national park? Well, uh, uh, of course, a national park is administered by the uh, Department of Interior, and a national forest actually falls under the Department of Agriculture. Uh, uh, national parks uh, are, they preserve the, um, the uh, natural character of the area and, and uh Visitation by the public is a big part of their mission of, so that the public can enjoy the, the beautiful resources in our national parks. In uh, the national forest is managed more for multiple uses. For example, recreation is important. Water, uh, preserving water, water quality is really important. And uh, timber resources, it's, uh, you can harvest timber, you can extract resources like fracking for natural gas, uh, uh, on national forest land. So it, it serves a variety of purposes, uh, a wider variety than the national parks. And hunting is allowed in national forests as well, right? Yes, that's a big distinction. Um, hunting is allowed uh, on almost all national forest land. 
Mm-hmm. And certainly on Shenandoah Mountain, it's a longstanding tradition there. I try to explain to people that when they're trying to understand the difference between parks and other wilderness areas is that parks are often tailored towards visitors. And so there are amenities that are meant for visitors to take advantage of that you won't necessarily find in national forests or other wilderness areas. Would you agree with that? Uh, Yes, uh, that's certainly true. And in the National Forest, uh, especially on Shenandoah Mountain, you don't find many amenities. What you find is uh, very, uh, for the most part, unfragmented wild national forest where uh, species thrive, where you have clean water and uh, you have opportunities for recreation, but you're more of a visitor. It's not uh, planned for your your comfort or convenience. It's a place where you can go and experience the natural world and it's pretty wild there. So in a lot of ways, if you're looking for a wilderness experience, this is a better option than a park. Well, you'll run into fewer visitors there. Uh, The National Park, I love Shenandoah National Park and uh, there's just so much wilderness there. But you also do see a lot of people on Skyline Drive and on the trails. Uh, Some trails are very popular to waterfalls and all. But on Shenandoah Mountain, you can hike all day and not see another person, uh, especially if you go out during the week. Even on weekends, you see very few people. So it is a more uh, remote experience. And you don't have as much signage to direct you. It's always important to take a map when you go in the National Forest so that you can uh, always know where you are and, and be sure you're on the right trail. That's a great point. And you actually introduced me to an app where you can download a map for trails. And I, I believe it's the, the Avenza app. Yes, the Avenza app, which you can download for free. And it's, uh, you can also do this on Gaia. And then you can import maps that you buy from National Geographic Trails Illustrated sources. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you just import that to your phone and then you can always see where you are on the map, which is an added benefit. You can also take photographs and import them into the map. So uh, it captures uh, your experience and, and you can plot those photos on the map for later use. Yeah, I I highly recommend both of those apps. I use both Gaia and Avenza. Uh, Just recently, Virginia State Parks added all of their park maps onto Avenza, and those are free. So that's uh, really useful to have. And Gaia shows you different types of maps. So if you want satellite images or if you want a topo map, um, a lot of those are free. Some of them you can can upgrade to pay for some uh, additional services. But it is a lifesaver when you're out in an area that doesn't have cell service and you want to be sure that you're not going to get lost or um, have an emergency where you can't find your way off the trail. Yes, for sure. So what is the, what's the best way to get to Shenandoah Mountain? When, when I'm looking at the map, it almost looks to me like it's sandwiched between roads that go to Harrisonburg and Stanton. So I was just explaining to somebody earlier that if you think about I-81, it's almost like Shenandoah Mountain is the whole area west between Harrisonburg and Stanton. Yes, uh, it, that's exactly right. And it extends north of Harrisonburg and south of Stanton quite a ways. But yes, if you think of it as directly west of those two cities, uh, and the best access routes are Route 33 and Route 250. And then um, it, you would require a local map with county routes on it to, 
to find your way to some of the trailheads. So if somebody wanted to visit Shenandoah Mountain, but didn't want to stay out in the wilderness, great options for them would be Harrisonburg and Stanton, because then you have all the conveniences that you need, but you still have close proximity to the mountain. Yes, both of those cities offer excellent uh, places to stay. And there are also bed and beds and breakfasts in the Shenandoah Valley that are very nice places to stay too. Yeah, lots of cute options in both of those places. So what are some types of outdoor activities? Let's talk about like outdoor recreation. Why would people want to visit Shenandoah Mountain? Well, you know, there are about as many different reasons to visit Shenandoah Mountain as there are visitors. Some people uh, uh, like to come to Shenandoah Mountain to hike, to mountain bike, to study nature, to butterflies, birding. Uh, There are just many uh, opportunities to view some of the great biodiversity that's on Shenandoah Mountain. Uh, The native brook trout streams on Shenandoah Mountain are a regional stronghold for healthy populations of brook trout. And that draws a lot of uh, fly fishermen. Uh, People like to hunt on Shenandoah Mountain. There are uh, many trails and forest roads open to horseback riding. People like to canoe in the reservoirs. There are about 10 flood control dams and recreational reservoirs around Shenandoah Mountain, uh, on it and around it, that uh, people can enjoy uh, where you have public access. So, uh, and, and there are some uh, rock, uh, rock formations where people can uh, climb mm-hmm. and they enjoy that. And one thing that uh, not everyone's aware of is that if you go to the, Uh, upper parts, you know, like Reddish Knob, for example, uh, high on the mountains at night, you can see the Milky Way. It's, it's a dark skies area. So what you can no longer see because of the light pollution in the mid-Atlantic region, people have been able to look up and enjoy the night skies, but uh, it's hard to find places where you can see as well these days. So uh, an excellent place to go is up on Reddish Knob uh, or higher parts of Shenandoah Mountain. Rock climbing was an activity in Shenandoah Mountain that I was surprised to see. I didn't realize there was rock climbing in that region until I watched one of these videos about Shenandoah Mountain, which I will definitely post the links to in the show notes so that people who are interested can see it. Um, But when I talk to people who are big advocates for rock climbing, what I have learned is that finding locations in Virginia to rock climb can be really challenging, often because good rock climbing locations are either in parks where uh, climbing is not permitted or the land is owned by uh, people who don't want uh, strangers coming onto their property because they're worried about liability and things like that. So finding locations for rock climbing can be really tough. So the idea that you can go to Shenandoah Mountain and do rock climbing should really appeal to people who are interested in that sport. Yes, there's a very good location called Hidden Rocks near Hone Quarry, day use area. So that that would be a a, a good place to experience rock climbing. And there are cliffs along North River Gorge that look uh, suitable for rock climbing. I have not seen people climbing there. I think the Hidden Rocks is a better known one, but uh, I think there's potential in the gorge as well. That's, that's really cool. Um, Let's talk about some of the trails. What's really nice is how accessible some of the trails are and how unique each of the trails are, even though they're all in the same area, there's a lot of unique features to each of them. And 
what was it this past November, um, you were kind enough to take me on one of these trails to high knob fire tower. And it was an amazing experience for me to get to go to that area and to see something so beautiful and so unique. Um, do you want to talk about some of the trails that people might want to check out if they come to the area? Well, sure. Uh, that high knob uh, fire tower trail is a favorite of mine too, just because of the outstanding views you get. Uh, it, you can see all the way to Spruce Knob, the highest point in West Virginia. You can see the Monongahela National Forest over there. And then you can see the Shenandoah Valley. And the historic fire tower itself is just so beautiful. It was built of native stone. And uh, it was, uh, let's see, it was built by the Civilian Conservation Corps and World War I veterans. And it's now on the uh, National Register of Historic Places. Uh, you know, most of the fire towers were torn down, so it's it's really cool to have this one remaining on the crest of Shenandoah Mountain. Another site that I really like, a trail is north, uh, the trail in the North River Gorge. Uh, there's a, a, a trailhead called Wild Oak Parking, and you can uh, start there and walk about a mile, and there's a, a swinging bridge over the North River, and that is very exciting to cross when the water's high, and so beautiful in the fall when the leaves are turning, and there are wildflowers along the way uh, in the spring. I just highly recommend that, and it's easy. It's pretty flat, so if you have a family with young children or people who just are looking for an easy afternoon hike, that's just perfect. Um, another site I really like is off Route 250 west of Stanton, and it's on the crest of Shenandoah Mountain. It's called Confederate Breastworks Interpretive uh, Trails, and uh, uh, there was once a, a breastwork built there during the Civil War, and the remnants of that are there along with uh, signs of interpreting uh, uh, the history of the, the event, and, uh, but the trail network extends into Highland County and you have a beautiful view of Highland County from um, a scenic overlook up on the mountain, uh, just maybe a third of a mile from the parking lot. So I really recommend that. And even extending your hike on the Shenandoah Mountain Trail, which is in my view, one of the premier trails of the, uh, the Mid-Atlantic region, you can walk for 11 miles without crossing a road. Uh, so it, it's a very beautiful area with uh, large uh, old growth forest. Um, it's just a, an incredible uh, place to visit. The Ramsey, that's in Ramsey's Draft Wilderness and along the edge of it. So uh, the whole Shenandoah Mountain area has 150 miles of trails uh, in the between Route 250 and Route 33. Mm -hmm. So it uh, there are just so many opportunities and. Most of these are open to mountain biking as well. And they're used by hunters and fishermen. Most anyone can find a, a trail that they would really enjoy for whether you want to have a long hike or an overnight hike with backpacking or just a short hike. There's just a real variety available there. Where's the best resource for people to learn about each of these hikes that you mentioned? Well, uh, Friends of Shenandoah Mountain has on its website, friendsofshenandoahmountain.org, uh, a, a whole page on short hikes on Shenandoah Mountain. Uh, so that has uh, photographs, descriptions, maps, and directions on how to get to the trailhead. 
And in addition to that, the Potomac Appalachian Trail Club has published a guide for Shenandoah Mountain Trails, and that's available through PATC's uh, online store. And the best map to use, and I, as I mentioned before, I do encourage everyone having a map, either in paper form or on your phone, so that you can find your way around uh, on Shenandoah Mountain. And the best map is the Trails Illustrated Stanton Shenandoah Mountain map. I think that's the one that you told me to download in my Avenza app that I use. Yes. Yeah, that one's great. And I'm looking at the Friends of Shenandoah Mountains website uh, on the short hikes page. And it's so easy to click on any one of these short hikes that you mentioned. And the photos are absolutely stunning. Who takes these pictures? Well, these pictures come from a variety of sources. Um, I take some of them when I'm out there. I just enjoy um, I have my camera with me all the time when I'm hiking or doing trail work, which my husband and I enjoy. Uh, so some of them I've taken, but they've uh, some of them are taken by other hikers or by uh, photographers in the area. And it just seems like everyone is just so willing to share their work with us to, to aid in our protection efforts for the Shenandoah Mountain area. So I just clicked on the North River Gorge hike that you mentioned, and this swinging bridge looks so cool. <laughs> I, I'm thinking I need to add that to my list of things to do immediately because it is really, it's long. It's much longer than I would have thought and um, goes right over the water. It almost looks, it kind of looks like a suspension bridge. Yes, uh, you must add that to your list, Jessica, and and and, uh, and go visit that bridge because, it, and it's not uh, scary. I mean, it doesn't move a lot when you're walking on it, so it's pretty, pretty solid. But it is a suspension bridge, and That's it's neat. especially interesting to go there when the water is high. Um, I'll bet. And I also want to make sure I mention a little more about High Knob Fire Tower, because you can't just mention the fire tower and not actually describe it. Because I know when you told me that we were going to go up there, I had seen the pictures, but the pictures don't do it justice. There is something really incredible about the architecture and the history of this fire tower. And, you know, I was talking with another episode guest, um, Jacqueline, who's known as RVA Hiker Girl. We were talking about fire towers in general in Virginia, how they seem to be all along the Virginia, West Virginia border or used to be. And many of them are no longer there. And I guess it's because they don't need them anymore. So they just took them down. But this one survived. Why did this one survive? Well, that, that's really, a, there's an interesting story behind that. My friends in the Forest Service told me that at one point, it was determined that all the fire towers should be removed. And the Forest Service employees uh, who were familiar with this tower said, not this one. This one is too special. It's historic. Uh, I, I, I just had this image of them throwing their bodies in front of the a fire tower <laughs> and saying, <laughs> this one has to be preserved. It probably didn't really happen that way. But uh, <laughs> due to their own um, raising uh, just the awareness that that not all fire towers are created equal and that this one was deserving of uh, it, it should remain uh, was uh, just a great story. Most of the others, many of them were just metal fire towers that were partially rusted and some had fallen and it was time for them to go. But uh, it's so nice that they were able to retain this one. And the Forest Service has uh, 
has done a good job of restoring it uh, and keeping it uh, in, in good shape. It's really beautiful. And the fact that you can even go up onto the fire tower, I think is unique because oftentimes with fire towers and lighthouses and similar structures, they're there and you can see them, but you can't actually go up on them. Um, and this one, you can go up. So you took me up to the top and the fire tower itself is stone. I mean, the tower is built of stone, which is really pretty. And then the staircase and the deck around the top of it is all, it, it almost looks like, um, carved wood. And then the, of course, the top of it is glass so that, you know, whoever is actually watching for the fires could have a 360 degree view of the area from inside, but you can walk around the outside of it on that deck and have the same views. And it's just stunning in every direction. It really is. And if you're hiking on trails on Shenandoah mountain, sometimes you'll see telephone lines that remain from that era you know, there was another fire tower on Bother Knob, not too far from High Knob, and then one to the north on Cow Knob. And apparently, uh, in order to pinpoint exactly where the fire was burning, uh, it required two, two uh, fire towers. And I think they used uh, triangulation to pinpoint, and then they would phone down. So they needed to talk to each other, and they also needed to uh, telephone down to the local fire departments and, and uh, pick the right one and tell them exactly where it was. So um, there was quite a coordinated effort there. Uh, before the fire tower was built, when they first, uh, I, I met the man who was the first fire watch on High Knob, and he was instructed to climb a tree and stay up there all day and watch for fires. And then <laughs> later, <laughs> they, uh, he, he was from Bridgewater. Uh, and later they built this nice fire tower uh, for him and he continued to work there and use it. So it's just an interesting story of going from, I guess, rags to riches on top of Sandor <laughs> Mountain. <laughs> uh, yeah, by ways of watching for fires. I can't imagine that being your job, sitting in a tree all day. <laughs> he did have a stepladder. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> moving on up in the world. <laughs> Literally. So yeah, I just wanted to bring to the listeners attention that the photos of the of the high knob fire tower are on your website. And also I took some beautiful photos and also video from when you and I went there together that I will be posting on um, the podcast social media pages so that people can see what that looked like um, for me and you back in November. And oh my gosh, was it windy? I, I remember like you almost sort of fell over when we got to the top because the wind was just so insane at the top. Is it always like that? Or was it just a particularly windy day when you and I were there? You can count on a pretty strong breeze, but it was windy the day we were there. Uh, if it gets windy enough, I, I often don't feel comfortable going up there, but <laughs> you feel like you'll get blown off. But, uh, <laughs> but fortunately, it has good guardrails. <laughs> yes, it definitely does. Okay, so how does Shenandoah Mountain help the local economy? There's a lot of talk right now about ecotourism and um, not just Virginia, but other states using ecotourism to attract visitors and boost their economy. What role does Shenandoah Mountain play in Virginia's economy? Well, you know, uh, visitors come to the Shenandoah Valley for a variety of reasons, like to visit caverns and wineries and um, historic sites, antique malls, and to hear music. And uh, 
and for outdoor recreation, but no matter what they come for, that Western Shenandoah Mountain, the uh, Shenandoah Mountain area just west of the valley is the backdrop. It's the scenic beauty that every single visitor enjoys to the West. And that's where you see the sunsets from, sunsets from the valley. So it's, it's even for people who don't go there, it still enhances the visitor experience in the Shenandoah Valley. And then of course, let's say if a whole family goes there and some, some are go, may want to mountain bike or hike or go swimming or canoeing. And so those opportunities are there on Shenandoah Mountain. And there's no fee for using the resources on Shenandoah Mountain like there is for Shenandoah National Park. Uh, people can just go and, and, and enjoy the area um, because it's public land and the public uh, can, can use it. So um, just having it there as the backdrop, the scenic beauty, uh, the clean water, the recreational opportunities, uh, all that fits with those other things I mentioned and just makes uh, the Shenandoah Valley a real attractive uh, destination and Highland County as well uh, on the other side of the uh, of Shenandoah Mountain on the western side. So it's, um, it does contribute to the local economy in that way. And uh, it, it's part of the total experience of, of visiting the Shenandoah Valley. So Lynn, you are the co-chair of the Friends of Shenandoah Mountain, and that is an organization that advocates in support of the Shenandoah Mountain proposal. What is the Shenandoah Mountain proposal? Well, the Shenandoah Mountain proposal is a proposal for Congress to designate a 90,000 acre tract of Shenandoah Mountain, all national forest land, as a national scenic area with four embedded wilderness areas. So uh, of this 90,000 acres, uh, about two thirds of it would be a national scenic area and roughly one third would be uh, split up into four wilderness areas, one of which would be uh, uh, an increase in the size of Ramsey's Draft Wilderness in addition to that. So our proposal requires an act of Congress and uh, we have citizens in the Shenandoah Valley have gotten together and made this proposal because we recognize what a special area this is and we would like to keep it that way, protected from industrial development and other uses that can be, that can happen in national forests. This is our way of telling the national forest that, uh, that we would like this area to remain um, natural, available for outdoor recreation. And uh, we'd like it to continue to provide clean water to the communities and cities downstream. So it sounds like a national scenic area is yet another type of designation that you're striving to achieve. Yes, um, some of our listeners may be familiar with uh, wilderness areas, federally designated wilderness areas. We have quite a few of those on the uh, along the Blue Ridge, uh, Three Ridges, the Priest, uh, St. Mary's, uh, but on Shenandoah Mountain in that area, there's just one so far. Um, uh, Ramsey's Draft Wilderness. So when we were looking at proposing protection for Shenandoah Mountain, we realized that 
it has some roads in it, not very many, but a few, and all those would should remain open. Well, ordinarily, well, you don't have roads in wilderness areas. So we thought it would be more appropriate to make uh, to designate the area as a national scenic area because the legislation for scenic area can be written to fit the area. So if the area has roads, the legislation could say all these roads remain open uh, for access and can be maintained. If it has campgrounds like this one does, uh, Shenandoah Mountain has three campgrounds, those can be maintained. And But the legislation could say no new road so that you don't allow the area to gradually be developed and then it's it's not special anymore uh, after so many years of continually uh, adding more development to it. Some could be industrial development or just building structures, building more roads so that it's no long, it no longer has the wild uh, character that it has now. So essentially what the scenic area would do is support the existing infrastructure that's there, but, uh, but just keep it at that. Um, so that it remains uh, pretty much like it is today. I mean, things are always changing, forests change and uh, roads deteriorate and have to be repaired. So that can happen. But just generally, it would keep the area uh, in a natural state, but accessible for the public to use. So you said yourself that this would be an act of Congress. And usually when people say that something would take an act of Congress, that almost means that it's never going to (laughs) happen. So do you do you think this is an uphill battle? What do you think your odds are of being successful in this proposal? Well, I think our odds are very good. And the reason I think this is because we developed this proposal um, back in 2004. So for the past 16 years, we've been building grassroots public support for it. Our strategy was to start by reaching out to businesses and organizations and asking them if they would like to endorse the proposal. So far, we have gotten 400 businesses and organizations. Who knew that we, <laughs> that we would ever uh, arrive at uh, such a large number? So this has some of the strongest public support of any proposal ever, I believe. Uh, in addition to that, we're reaching out to landowners that own land near adjacent to the proposal, uh, and we're uh, educating them about the proposal and reassuring them that this will not have any negative impact on their private property uh, rights. But this is totally just about public land. And in fact, a national scenic area would make a very good neighbor, I would think. Um, so we've just been reaching out to different groups like hunting groups, uh, fishing groups, um, mountain bike groups, um, wild (laughs) native plant uh, society, birding clubs, and speaking to uh, Kiwanis, Ruritans, Rotary clubs all around the Shenandoah Valley, and just being sure they understand uh, the proposal and what it would mean. And we have just had such broad support that uh, we've been very heartened by it. Uh, At this point, we're reaching out to local governments to ask them to pass resolutions of support. And uh, that's, we are uh, also achieving some success with that too. So we've come a long way and uh, I feel like we're gonna get there.
400 different groups supporting, uh, that seems like a really good omen, but also there must be some unlikely allies in that group, I would think. In fact, isn't the other co-chair of your organization somebody who represents the mountain biking community? Yes, uh, my co-chair is Thomas Jenkins, who was uh, instrumental in uh, developing the Shenandoah Valley Bicycle Coalition. And uh, normally, uh, mountain bikes bikers uh, would prefer not to see wilderness designation because mechanized transport is not allowed in wilderness. But uh, And the wilderness advocates, which I am one of, uh, like big wilderness. So we realized back when the wilderness advocates started thinking about it, that mountain biking was already popular on Shenandoah Mountain and that it was going to be hard to have uh, the wilderness of a size that we would like, even though the area was very deserving. And so we decided we could either just give up or we could reach out to the mountain bike community and try to work together. And so that's how the proposal evolved. We reached out and in fact, Thomas Jenkins was our first contact. And uh, we talked for three years and came up with a proposal that was a win-win for both. The wilderness advocates didn't get everything they wanted. The mountain bikers didn't get everything they wanted, but we both groups got the majority of what they wanted and just felt good that the area would be protected um, at the uh, we've seen in the past decade uh, pretty extensive fracking for natural gas in West Virginia and Pennsylvania in Marcellus Shale and Shenandoah Mountain is actually underlain by Marcellus and we realized that there was a risk to that kind of development in this very special area. So um, we felt by working together, we could achieve something that was really um, important and worth doing. And so we have for 16 years, Thomas and I have co-chaired this coalition. We call it the Friends of Shenandoah Mountain is actually a coalition of organizations and businesses with a single purpose. And uh, so we've been uh, working together, making progress together and feeling good about uh, all the collaboration that's gone into this. When you approach people about this proposal, whether it be uh, business owners, landowners, um, people who use the area, do you ever come across any concerns that people have for designating this a national scenic area? Is there anyone who's ever opposed to it? Well, I, I have met people who were like hunters who their first question is, will I still be able to hunt? And there are misconceptions like that. And, and when I say, yes, absolutely, just like you do now. Uh, so that is um, often the concerns are based on misconceptions. Uh, there have been a handful of people I've met who said, well, I think the National Forest should be fracked for natural gas because it's public land and that would benefit the public. But most of the people who use and enjoy it, and especially uh, Harrisonburg and um, Stanton and the counties around the National Forest who get their water from there would rather not see that because they see it's a risk to, to the water resource. And, and so um, we've been able to, uh, to talk with people and just educate them about the proposal, what it will and won't do. And I find that once people learn what, it's, what it is, uh, the vast majority of them support it. Back in about 2010, we reached out to 
uh, an additional group of forest national forest uh, users, and that those are the the hunting groups and the game managers, like Game and Inland Fisheries, for, for now called Wildlife Resources in Virginia, and uh, we found that the the hunting uh, organizations would like to see more early successional habitat in the national forest and that's achieved by cutting timber and by prescribed burning primarily and so uh, we the national scenic area allows for prescribed burning which improves habitat for deer turkey and grouse and some other species and uh, we agreed to support more management by timber cutting across the national forest in places where it's appropriate. So it was uh, uh, an agreement. We, we had an agreement called the, the George Washington National Forest Stakeholders Agreement that allows for protection of the Shenandoah Mountain area, support for more management across the national forest in appropriate places. So that was a real step forward so that we could gain the support of, of groups that might um, want to see more um, management. What still needs to be done to actually have this designated by Congress? What we need at this point is uh, resolutions of support to be passed by several local governments. And then after that, we'll want to talk with the other George Washington National Forest stakeholders and uh, just um, including the timber and industry and the game managers and then all together we will decide if it's time to move forward with mm -hmm. legislation and we're hoping that uh, the a bill will be introduced in the senate so would this new designation change outdoor recreation in the area or can people who visit shenandoah mountain expect it to remain mostly the same people who use the Shenandoah mountain area can expect to keep using it like they do now and enjoying it like they do now. And uh, I think what we can gain from this designation is that uh, future generations will also be able to use this area and enjoy it. And we'll have, uh, we'll maintain good habitat for wildlife, uh, the biodiversity that's there, the salamanders, the butterflies, the bats, all the things that live there will have a good habitat and people can still enjoy it. And the communities that enjoy the clean water from Shenandoah Mountain will continue to do so. Clean water is very important uh, to, the, to the local governments. If we didn't have Shenandoah Mountain uh, and this clean mountain water that hardly needs to be treated, where would we get water in the Shenandoah Valley? It's, it's really, the main source, along with some wells and springs, but uh, we rely heavily on it. And it's not the right place for any kind of development, but uh, water protection and recreation and uh, protection of biodiversity are all very compatible. And all that's compatible with supporting the local tourism economy. So there are a couple of videos that were created describing your effort. And one of the videos talks very much about the biodiversity and how high the biodiversity is and how rare it is to find that these days because of human development and human interaction in natural areas. So the biodiversity of this mountain is very high. And what I noticed when you took me on a hike there is that it looked very different than any other wilderness 
this area that I have experienced in the past. And, and like you said, even though you can see Shenandoah National Park from Shenandoah Mountain, it is very different. And one of the things that stood out to me was a lot of the pine trees at the higher elevation. Uh, you talked about, you know, some of the higher elevations in the state or in this area. Um, a lot of really big rocks, um, many of them covered in moss, and just the ability to see for miles and miles and miles. Even in Shenandoah National Park, where there are amazing views, and I'm sure many people are familiar with that, they don't compare to what I saw when you and I were up at High Knob Tower. It really is a different, a very different feel. Yes, it really is. Uh, my husband's a geologist, and he can talk at length about the differences in the uh, the soils and the rocks. But it and because those are different, we have different plants. Like uh, there's a mountain fetter bush that is one of the most common plants. It's it's a relative of mountain laurel, I believe. But it's so common on Shenandoah Mountain, and as far as I know, there's none of that in Shenandoah National Park. I think and, you pointed that out to me when we were hiking. Yes, yes, it's everywhere. Yeah. And there are other little flowers and things that I've never seen in Shenandoah National Park. And in addition to that, um, the salamanders on Shenandoah Mountain are just so varied and and there are lots of them. Uh, there are two there that are found nowhere else on earth, the Cow Knob Salamander and the Shenandoah Mountain Salamander. And uh, it's possible to go up on Reddish Knob and find the Cow Knob Salamanders. There are actually a lot of them on Shenandoah Mountain. Um, but the only problem is you have, if you really want to see them, you need to go up there at night mm -hmm. when it's raining. And so uh, it's a long drive up a crooked road uh, for, you know, 10 miles up there on the mountain. But once you get there, you can uh, go through a rocky area on a north facing slope and they'll be uh, sitting on top of the rocks. They like uh, areas that are that have talus uh rocks and so they'll be there but if you flash a flashlight on them they jump down in the cracks and if you're if you're under 10 years old or really have quick reflexes you can catch them and get a better look at them but otherwise they're quicker than the rest of us <laughs> that's really neat um if anybody's interested in knowing what these salamanders look like there are some really beautiful photos again on the friends of shenandoah mountain um web where you can see what they look like and kind of get an idea of their habitat and learn some more about them well they are fascinating little creatures and they've been studied a lot and uh um they're they're just uh uh they're really they're really special, and I'm glad that they find just the right habitat on Shenandoah Mountain. How can listeners support your efforts? If they want to learn more about the, the proposal and the Friends of Shenandoah Mountain, where can they go? Well, the best place to go to learn more would be our friendsofshenandoahmountain.org website. And uh, you can explore that and even learn about the history of Shenandoah Mountain, the ecology, just uh, the hikes, uh, lots of information there about it. In addition, we have a Facebook page where we announce uh, new endorsements from businesses and organizations. And uh, you can get on a, 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 our email distribution list and um, we have outings for uh, uh, butterflies, uh, birds, uh, wildflowers. Uh, some of them are co-led by the Virginia Master Naturalists or guest leaders 
who have expertise. We've had salamander hikes. But if you get on our email distribution list, you'll get an invitation to events like this. And uh, we haven't been able to do these during COVID, but when COVID is over, we will resume our offerings. And there, people have really enjoyed those, uh, those outings. I think I'm going to have to sign up for that because I just did an episode uh, with Kevin Divins, who's a Virginia master naturalist, and he talks about a lot of the uh, educational programming that Virginia master naturalists do. So I would love to be a part of any event that you all have after COVID when it's safe uh, to learn more about um, the little critters and other wildlife that you can find on Shenandoah Mountain. Well, uh, the people have, uh, the local people have really enjoyed these outings. And one thing that, that I've noticed is that people say, I just had no idea how special this area was. And they appreciate learning about it. Uh, it's easy to take for granted what's in your backyard and, and not to, to, to realize just how special it is. Very well said, Lynn. Thank you so much for talking to us about the Shenandoah Mountain proposal. Um, are, you, are you looking for donations as well? Are there other ways that people can help besides looking on social media and getting on the email list? Oh, well, the thing that actually helps us the most is, uh, is endorsements. If people own a business, if any of the listeners own their own business, no matter how big or how small, uh, they could get on our website and actually endorse the proposal. It doesn't cost anything, but it helps uh, add to our show of support. And uh, if any of the listeners uh, belong to organizations that might uh, consider an endorsement, that would be very welcome too. Of course, donations are welcome. Um, and then whenever legislation is introduced, if, if uh people could write to their U.S. representative or, and both of our senators in Virginia, Senator Kane and Senator Warner, Senator Warner, and just let them know that you think this is a good idea. In fact, you could do that now. So uh, those are things people can do that, that help. And I just encourage uh, people who are interested to come and visit the area and, and make your uh, own judgments about uh, how special it is. And I hope you have a good time there if you come. That's perfect. I will go ahead and include, and include links to all of those things that you mentioned in the show notes that, so that people can access them quickly and easily. And then as there are developments in the proposal, I will also share that with folks on the podcast social media pages. So um, if you're not already following Virginia Outdoor Adventures on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, be sure to follow us so that you can keep up to date. Um, we, we not only post information about our, our past guests and some of the activities and events that they're doing, but we also post information about new hikes and new ways to adventure outside. And so our social media page is a really great resource for a lot of things. Um, but if you want to stay up to date on some of these stories that you hear about from our guests, that's the way to do it. Okay, Lynn, let's uh, jump into the closing questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. <laughs> what is one piece of gear you can't live without? piece of gear that's most important to me is good boots. And uh, I just have to have good boots. They have to fit well for walking up steep and up steep hill mountains and down so that your toes don't hit the end. They have to offer good support and they have to have plenty of room for, for me to, for my toes and, uh, and, and they need to be waterproof for crossing streams. So I might skimp on buying some outdoor gear, but 
when it comes to boots, I buy the best ones I can find. That must absolutely be true because so many of my guests talk about their boots when they talk about like most important gear. And you do a lot of trail work too. Uh, we, my husband and I do trail work at least once a week on Shenandoah Mountain uh, with Potomac Appalachian Trail Club. And as a part of our advocacy effort, we're recruiting more volunteers. So that's something listeners might uh, be interested in doing is helping us maintain uh, that 150 miles of trails. Now, Shenandoah Valley Bicycle Coalition is also involved with building trails and uh, realigning trails for sustainability. So between the uh, Shenandoah Valley Bicycle Coalition and Potomac Appalachian Trail Club, we're working hard to make uh, Shenandoah Mountain a great place for people to visit. Well, people might be familiar with Potomac Appalachian Trail Club because the name itself should ring a bell. I mean, it's not just on Shenandoah Mountain. There are club chapters everywhere, right? Oh, they're everywhere. Um, and I don't even know all the places because it's a large organization of over 8,000 members. Uh, they maintain, we maintain all the trails in Shenandoah National Park and in some state parks and uh, sections of the Appalachian Trail north of the park and also the Tuscarora Trail and so, some trails in the Lee District, a lot of trails in the Lee District and uh, the Shenandoah Mountain National Scenic Area proposal is in the North River District and uh, just within the past year and a half, uh, PATC added that to its area of responsibility. So we're expanding our, our trail maintenance efforts in that area. And you mentioned earlier that they've created a guide, right, for hiking trails in that area? Yes, there's a guide to uh, Shenandoah Mountain Trails, and, uh, and it's, it's uh, the only guide available that covers all the trails in the Shenandoah Mountain area. And it's available on PATC's, uh, they have an online store where you can buy hiking guides. Well, it's a really large organization and they do a lot of work, not just trail work, but like you said, creating guides um, and information for people who, need, who want more information about different areas. They do fundraising. Um, they offer classes like, like first aid and wilderness survival classes. It's just quite a lot that that organization does. And I think it's really great that you're so involved in it. Well, we love the PATC and all that it's done for us. We've been members for, I think, 35 years. But one of our most enjoyable experiences was when we took the traditional tools uh, class where we learned to use crosscut saws and axes. And of course, in wilderness areas, you don't use chainsaws and weed eaters and uh, mechanized tools like that. We use traditional school tools like our forefathers did. And uh, there's just such a coolness factor to that, uh, uh, learning how to safely and effectively use a crosscut saw for large blowdowns. Some, we have removed blowdowns up to 34 inches in diameter in Ramsey's Draft Wilderness. So it's, it's just a, um, a skill that uh, a growing number of people want to learn. And um, we, we need people who, who are interested in doing things like that. Now in the scenic area part of, of the Shenandoah Mountain proposal, uh, chainsaws can be used, but only after people are certified by the Forest Service to use them. 
Well, it definitely looks like a cool thing to do because I see these pictures of you and other trail volunteers and you're carrying these really uh, interesting looking tools and you're walking across logs and crossing streams and doing all kinds of things. And and just so that the listeners understand, a blowdown is a tree that has fallen over a trail. Yes, that is correct. And several years ago when we had a derecho, we had a lot of work to do uh, to clean up after that. And sometimes ice storms can do a lot of damage too. Mm -hmm. But uh, it used to seem overwhelming, but now that we have so many volunteers, we, we get all excited when we have a new blowdown. It's like, oh, good, we have another chance to do this. And Well, if anybody's ever wondered who maintains all these trails, because really it can't be park staff or um, national forest staffers. There's not enough of them to go out there and do all of that work. In fact, I was hiking in Shenandoah National Park once and happened to um, walk past somebody who at that very moment was asking her friend, I wonder who maintains all these trails. And I stopped and turned around and said, well, let me tell you, <laughs> it's the Potomac <laughs> Appalachian Trail Club and they're always looking for volunteers. And I hope that she maybe went home and looked into it. But I, I think it's true that most people don't realize that both uh, the uh, uh, many of the federal agencies have been cut back so much that they can't do what they once did. And trail maintenance is certainly an area where uh, they rely heavily on volunteers, almost exclusively on volunteers. Last question, Lynn, what is your next big Virginia outdoor adventure? This is really going to surprise you, Jessica, uh -oh. but as soon as the snow melts, I'm going to Shenandoah Mountain. And <laughs> <laughs> when I was younger, I was interested in exploring the country and going to all the best uh, places uh, to, so that I could experience them. But at this point in my life, I, I just am trying to learn one place really well. And there's, I will never know all there is to know about Shenandoah Mountain. But uh, I enjoy being there. It's, it's pretty close to where I live. Uh, and uh, I just find surprises every time I go out. Just new things I've never seen before. Bigger trees than I've ever seen before. Or a more beautiful fungus than I've ever seen before. So I'm not tired of it yet, and I can hardly wait until the snow melts on the mountain so I can get back up there. There is something to be said for learning one place really well. And like you said, you will you can go to the same place over and over again, but you will always see something new. And that's the wonderful part of nature and being outside. It really is. Well, Lynn, thank you so much for being a guest on Virginia Outdoor Adventures. I hope that our listeners found it useful. I hope that they are going to be planning their trips to visit the Shenandoah Mountain area. And I hope also that they take a moment to find out how they can get involved in supporting the Shenandoah Mountain proposal. Well, thank you so much for having me, Jessica. I've really enjoyed talking with you. Thanks, Lynn. Adventure on. If you enjoyed the show, please consider supporting us. Rate, review, and share with a friend. Follow us on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you may listen to podcasts. Virginia Outdoor Adventures is hosted by me, Jessica Bowser. Cover art illustrated by Olivia Smith. Editing by Alexander Valencia. Executive production by Steph Garrett. We love to hear from our listeners. Contact us on our website, virginiaoutdooradventures.com. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, adventure on. Adventure on.